0: 2021 welcome back to the cbs sports i on college basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black Matt. norlanda is here with me he's at home i'm at home the lighting is amazing and we are talking to you on the same morning that purdue moved to number one in the cbs sports top 25 and one which is the result of two things from Tuesday night. Uh, one, Purdue blasted Florida State. And then a couple of hours later, two, uh, Ohio State upset Duke. So Purdue is now number one in the top 25 and one. Duke is number two. Gonzaga is number three. And we're going to get to the bowl makers uh, eventually, I-, I promise. But I'm compelled to start with what happened inside Value City Arena because that's where Mike Krzyzewski, who is, by the way, coaching in his final season at Duke. He'll be replaced by John Shire. Uh, He suffered his first loss of his final season and the first court storming in his final season uh, at Duke. Dead leg, I'm not trying to brag, but who predicted uh, way back in the preseason a court storming would happen after Ohio State Duke played in Columbus? Was Was it, I'll give you some options.
1: Was it me or me or me? It was definitely you. I don't know. I I haven't had time to go back and listen to it because I wanted to listen because I I can't remember if I put on the table over under, and the listeners will certainly know, uh, over under 3.5 court storms on Duke and K this season or if if it was 4.5. I believe you went under and I went over. I think that's what happened. But you did accurately predict Ohio State. I have no idea whether I did or not, but I'm not interested in that. What I'm interested in is you – called it you called it and coach k's final non-conference game of his career on the road will end in a loss and by the way that's going to be part of his legacy
0: by the way when people are talking about this 20 years later they'll be like listen he was he won some championships and he won a lot of games but um it's worth pointing out he did fail in his final non-league uh uh road game of his career
1: not only that what else is the media afraid to talk about this morning? It's the fact that Mike Krzyzewski is going to start and finish clearly a very good career without having coached a team to an undefeated season. You know, that's over. It's, it's over. over for him.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about all the things Mike Krzyzewski has never done in his career. <laughs> hey, 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 career record against Chris Holtman. Oh, and one is it. That was the first game. Okay. I looked, I looked it up last night. Oh, and one. Against, okay. Unless they meet in the NCAA tournament, and at this point, are we sure Kay's going to be able to get there? Oh unless they meet in the NCAA tournament, Chris Holtman will retire with an undefe- undefeated record against Mike Krzyzewski, 1-0 all time
1: for everyone watching on the live YouTube stream. Hello. Uh, give us a few minutes to give Chris Holpen some credit. Okay. We got to start with Duke. Don't worry. We'll get there with, uh, with Ohio state. If you are watching on YouTube, hello. And thank you. Uh, reminder. If you don't follow us on Twitter and don't get the alerts, you need to go. And uh, hope nobody fly. gets the alerts. They do though. That's the thing is that it works. the <laughs> alerts work. They do work. And if you aren't on Twitter, which plenty of listeners are not, but you'd like to watch the live stream, in real time, be sure to go to the episode description on this podcast. Nada, who some people think is not real, <laughs> he will have a link in the podcast description so you can subscribe to the channel and get a uh, heads up. Our next podcast is scheduled to be live at 10 a.m. Friday morning. That is East Coast time. As for the game, Parish, uh, it felt like both teams played, you know, like a B2B minus level. It felt like Duke kind of went through the motions a little bit. I'm going to have you talk about your guy, Apollo Bancaro because he didn't have the kind of game I expected him to, and we'll give plenty of shine to EJ Liddell as well. But this felt like Duke almost just, they let him hang around a little too long, and they they wound up paying for it in the end. It was, uh, I was a bit surprised by the way Duke allowed Ohio State to really close the gap and then overtake them in the final couple of minutes.
0: Well, the wild thing is that um, they clearly let them hang around, but there was a point in the game where they weren't hanging around at all. They were down 13 at the half, 15 in the second half. And I saw this uh, bouncing around on Twitter Tuesday night. I'm going to assume it's true. <laughs> Entering Tuesday night, Duke had won 185 games in a row with a double-digit lead at halftime. It was the longest active streak in Division I. They were up 13 at the half at Ohio State, as up by as many as 15 in the second half, and, and they lose that game. So it wasn't just that... They let Ohio State hang around. It's that they just blew a 15-point lead in the second half and, um, like, couldn't score in the final 429. Literally Mm -hmm. didn't score in the final 429 of the game. Trevor Kills makes a free throw, 429 left. Duke goes up 66-59. And that's the last time Duke scored in the game. What? Duke missed its last six shots, and Ohio State closed the game on a 12-0 run over the final 428 um, to win the game 71-66. Like, everything about that is excessive. Like, scoring 12 points in a span of 428 is excessive for a college basketball team. Holding somebody to zero points over a span of 428 is excessive for a college basketball team. And yet, that's, that's what happened on Tuesday night to... You know, allow Ohio State to get a a, a signature win and a court storming, and uh, obviously cost Duke the number one ranking in the in the country. Nada, if
1: you could hold that box score on the screen for a couple more here on the YouTube stream. Look at look at what for everyone watching along in real time. Look at Duke personal fouls more with four Roach with four Bancaro with four Mark Williams with four, and then Theo John winds up fi- winds up falling out. This is. Not exactly an analog to the Gonzaga game, but Gonzaga was dealing with this exact thing. It had a lot of its guys with four fouls, dealing with foul trouble down the stretch, that didn't help matters for Duke on top of why it wasn't able to score. Sometimes coaches will tell you, if you've got key guys in foul trouble late, it can impact your ability to run the kind of offense you want to run. And guys just start playing differently. I certainly thought that was the case to a, to an extent with Duke overall. Bancaro, 14 points on 414 shooting, uh, was not the same kind of you know world-shifting player that we saw for some of the Gonzaga game before the cramps issue uh, surfaced. Did you hear, by the way, I don't believe this. This cannot be true. Did you hear Billis say on the telecast that Ben loses seven pounds in a game? Seven pounds over two hours? That that seems like it could put a normal human being in the hospital. There's no, there's no way that can be accurate, right? If you told me like two or three pounds, I can see it. Seven pounds in two hours? Well, I,
0: I I believe it was Holly Rose reporting, and I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna be skeptical of Holly's reporting. If you know what she said was that there had been some tests run on Paulo because he's cramped in in the two right. biggest games of the year so they ran some tests like what's going on here this doesn't make sense you're 19 years old you're um you physically fit why are you cramping all the time and what she said what they said they found was that he loses roughly seven pounds per game which is the first time in 20 years I have thought about playing basketball again
1: oh really? <laughs> I'd be
0: like oh, I'd love to lose seven pounds I play I play I play some back to backs I'd love to lose seven pounds playing a game so uh, he's now drinking a special oxygenated drink yeah. during games that prevents cramping. I drink vodka while I'm watching him, and he drinks an oxygenated drink uh, to to avoid cramping. But even with that, he wasn't great last night. You know, he was four fourteen from the field, fourteen points, five rebounds, and and by the way, like this incredible, maybe incredible stretching, it but very good Duke class. I mean, it could have three first round. Picks, you know, these five star freshmen. Um, Pollard was 4 of 14. Trevor Kills was 3 of 12. AJ Griffin, 0 of 1 in just two minutes. He's not even getting on the court. So Duke's three five star freshmen combined to go 7 of 27 from the field at Ohio State. When you get nothing or very little from your first year stars, you're just more or less the same mediocre team you were last season with a better version of Wendell Moore.
1: But you're not going that far. We're not we're not going from here's why Duke has to be the number one team in the country Too. this is just a mild step up from the team that missed the tournament a year. Ago. No, 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 no. You miss uh hearing what I said. So I'm trying to I'm trying to help you for the listeners who might be like, oh, okay, Parrish. Okay, we suddenly are all off Duke now. I was just trying to No, no, no. I have Duke number two in the top 25 and one. I'm saying
0: that a lot of that is that Paulo's gotta be great and Trevor Kills has to be as good as he was, maybe not as good as he was against Kentucky, but he's gotta be good. And A.J. Griffin, I mean, he hasn't given you anything all year, but in theory, you're expecting to get something from him at some point. Like, those are the three five-star freshmen. Those are three possible, if not probable, in some cases, definite first-round draft picks. And against Ohio State, this is my point, they didn't really give you anything positive, too much positive. And when they don't do that, Duke's not very good.
1: Last note on Duke David Cobb, who did, uh, who did our takeaways piece off of this upset on CBSsports.com last night you can read that on the CBS Sports app if you choose while you listen to the podcast he noted and rightfully so Duke is uh has as a big flaw with his three point shooting it's 32.8% that's 194th in the country right now and if it doesn't if it doesn't fix that there's going to be a certain ceiling on this team i think that's accurate to say duke was from the field last season. So it was a better three-point shooting team on the whole last season than it is through eight games. That's an important distinction to make right now uh, so far this season. Duke has not been uh, typical Duke in recent seasons in terms of its three-point shooting. The last time Duke finished inside the top 25 from three-point range was the 2015-2016 season. We'll wait and see. I think this is a situation where when you have an eight-game sample size, we do have a, a general idea. Right now, Duke is just a just a Nick under 33% from from beyond the arc. I think your best case scenario, if you're a Duke fan, is that you can get that up to, say, 36% by the time end of February comes. Uh, you could have a hot game or, or two that wind up uh, that going your way from beyond the arc and get you a win. But big picture, if you think that this team is going to go from a team that shoots 33% through eight games, that includes major conference competition in that stretch, and that's going to switch to you looking up and then being just under 40% by the time the tournament goes, that would be statistically aberrational to the point where we almost never see that so uh just keep that in mind with with duke certainly they're they've got a lot there i still think that this is a top five team in the country i'm not we never try and overreact to one single game but uh i I couldn't help but notice i couldn't help but notice last night as i watched i thought you know what they aren't as reliable from beyond the arc as maybe they hope they would be and that could be something that ultimately uh you know comes to bite them once we get to postseason play
0: real quick quick on the top 25 and one because uh, I, I actually filed it late last night and tweeted it late after midnight at some point I was up I figured if I can uh, allow Jerry Palm to wake up to a tweet that that says Purdue is number one in the top 25 or or Julie Villanova or, or Drew Brees then I should probably do that and so I did and when I when I woke up this morning I had some uh, replies to it like oh Duke only drops to number two Well, let me explain that real quick. Um, I I don't want to drop Duke. First off, Duke was only a three-point favorite at Ohio State. This wasn't like they lost a game they were so clearly supposed to win. And they were up 15 points in the second half, and then they don't score in the final 429, and it's a problem. Um, But you, you, I'm – from my perspective, like AP voters can do whatever they want, and they often do. Like, here's this one guy who uh, moved Memphis up two spots this past Monday, uh, even after Memphis got blasted by 19 by Ohio- Iowa State. Like, what do you want me to do? I used to write the poll tax column. People told me I was being mean. I tried to stop, and now what do you get? A bunch of AP voters acting like idiots again. I tried to fix them. I did my best to fix them. But th- but then I had to step away. I was told I'd be a mean. I said, fine, I'll stop being mean. Now, what do you got? AP voters acting like idiots again. So they'll do whatever they do, but I try to be sensible. So I didn't think it made any sense to drop Duke below Gonzaga, considering it was just a few nights ago we watched Duke win a neutral court game against Gonzaga. So you're a little bit you're locked in a little bit. Like I I don't want to drop Duke below Gonzaga, and I don't want to drop Gonzaga below UCLA, which is a team they just blasted on a neutral court. So the only way to keep that sensible is Purdue one, Duke two, Gonzaga three, and then whatever I got after that, I got after that. And so it, sometimes people get so um, caught up on how many spots somebody rises or drops. I never, ever look at it that way. I don't, you know, well, you lose this game, you must drop six spots. You lose this game, you must drop 10 spots. You lose this game, you must drop three spots. I don't think of it like that. I, I go, okay, where, based on all of the data available now, Where's a sensible place to put this team? And for Duke at this point, I really do think it's number two, one spot ahead of Gonzaga.
1: As for Ohio State, this is this is you know a vintage win for this program in this regard. Like I don't think this is gonna be the team that finishes first in the Big Ten, probably not second, but this win is gonna wind up. This is a seed bump kind of win. That's right. You know, <laughs> this first, is. Mention, first mention of a seed bump of the season. Seed line bump. There we go. It's. it's hey, it took you to December to get there. That's pretty good. In fact, in fact, it did. But here's what here's what I think is going to happen with Ohio State. It's going to drop a couple of games that probably shouldn't drop, and it'll get some good wins in Big Ten league play. But this is this will be the win where, you know, I don't know if this will be a two seed this season. But if it, you know, if it uh, if it winds up on the three line, it'll look back on a game like this and hopefully the Duke win ages pretty well. The stats coming out of OSU and their historical performance against number one seeds are absurd, Parrish. Ohio state as a program overall is 10 and 11 versus the number one ranked team in the AP top 25. That's insane. In fact, uh, give credit to ESPN stats and info on this Ohio state has gone eight and three in its last 11 games against number one ranked teams. And that dates back to 1978 when it also beat a number one ranked Duke team. They did this without justice suing no Seth towns off the bench. Uh, I just, marvelous stuff, uh, you know, uh, Cedric Russell, the transfer from Louisiana had his first good game of the season. And damn, did he pick a good game to have it? Uh, Zed key was the best player on the floor for OSU. No doubt about that. Zed uh, is Buc- dead. Guy, well, not this one. Cause he was very, he was, he was as good as you could have possibly expected him to be in the post going up against Williams after Williams had the game that he had against Gonzaga there. OSU outscored Duke 41, 23, in the second half, and as Parrish mentioned earlier, Duke's offense just it it, it evaporated. You know, shouts um, to Benfolds.
0: It evaporated. Oh wow,
1: we are li- anyway. you realize
0: we can't cut that out? We're live right now. That's going to that's, that's, that's exactly going to live. That's going to live
1: forever. That's I'm completely fine with it. Oh, wow. uh, didn't warm up the vocals this morning though. Anyway, uh, great closing track off of Whatever and Ever On. And again, shouts to Benfolds Five. Um, Duke. Dropping to two, uh, that's probably where they should be. Ohio State with this kind of win, where do you, do you know off the top of your head? Where did you bump them to? Because the, you would have had them, what, unranked coming in?
0: I did not have them unranked. I had them ranked, and I moved them up to number 21, one spot behind Iowa State. Again, trying to be sensible here. Um, Ohio State is a two-loss team. The two losses are to Florida and Xavier. Iowa State is a zero-loss team with a win over Xavier. So keep Iowa State at 20, move Ohio State to 21, which pushes Memphis and Alabama down one spot each, no fault of their own.
1: No fault of their own whatsoever. Um, by the way, Duke's prior two games when it was the number one ranked team, it lost uh, significant leads in the second half. The Stephen F. Austin went at home and then against Ohio State. We'll see if Duke can get back to number one because the ACC, as we're going to get to in a bit, it's it's down and... I don't know the next time Duke will have a game that will be against a team that that's as significant as this, you know, they're going to play some road games. that will be quad ones and all that. Don't get me wrong, but uh, not having a stronger non-conference schedule could wind up coming to, to bite uh, Duke in the butt just a little bit there, but yes, in all sincerity, great win for Chris Holtman. Uh, That building is extremely hard to truly fill up. And I don't know if last night was a sellout, um, I, then maybe you know I was kind of coming in and out on the on the telecast there because I was on the phone working on the court report which is up uh, later on Wednesday at cbsports.com. So at certain points I had the game muted and some certain points I didn't. So I don't know if they mentioned if it was a sellout or not, but it's a it's the building is too huge for the program. Anyone that knows and follows Ohio State basketball is aware of that. They wish they could have a, a an arena that was six or seven thousand seats smaller so they could have a more intimate environment. I've never been there. You have. You talked about it. It's cavernous. but when you get a, a team like Duke coming in for a game like this, and you can really fill up the joint, that's obviously uh, a, a good home court advantage. I won't say a great one, but a good one there. And it was it was great to see that program have that moment, Holtman, to get this kind of win. And I'm not surprised by it whatsoever. And good on Ohio State to rebound after losing what was one of the five best games of the season, in my opinion, when they lost to Florida and the Fort Myers uh, tip off at the buzzer, Tyree Appleby. OSU comes back. They got a, a big game in a big spot that can really help their resume. They get it done. And EJ Liddell shot with, I think, 16 seconds to go. Just, you know, vintage onions to give them that uh, that little bit of the cushion down the stretch there and get them the win. That's huge for OSU. Obviously, big for the Big Ten, which is having uh, some struggles this season. The ACC is in a much worse spot. And as I said, we'll get to that in just a little bit.
0: And evidence that Chris Holtman isn't only a great coach, but also a great man is that he did the halftime interview with Holly Rowe down 13 points as a professional sideline reporter. Let me tell you how that usually works. The way it works with normal teams and normal coaches is that you get the coach who is leading at halftime coming off the court because he's happy. Usually he's up. Um, and then you get the other coach walking out of the tunnel, walking through the tunnel after halftime off camera so a few weeks ago i do college of charleston north carolina game charleston's up at the half i talked to Pat kelsey at halftime on camera he's fired up it's great and then i wait outside north carolina soccer room and when hubert davis comes out i walk with hubert and ask him a couple questions while we're walking off camera and then they come to me and and you know under um you know, uh, you know, with the, with the throw being and Gary Paris, just talked to Hubert Davis, uh, you know, Gary, what did, what did North Carolina's coach tell you? Whatever it is. And uh, so I noticed this last night, Ohio state's getting blasted. And there's Chris Holtman pleasantly talking to Holly row because presumably Mike Krzyzewski just refuses to do it. Just won't participate. <laughs> like, like basically every other coach in America does. He just will not participate in that moment. And so Chris Holman's got to sit there and talk to Holly on camera down 13 points at the half and he couldn't have handled it any better. He was just pleasant and nice cuz he's just a he's a good man and a great coach and uh, it was nice to see him have that moment last night. What else
1: should we get to, GP?
0: Well, um Ohio State Duke was the uh prominent game in 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 Tuesday nights late window if that's the way we're framing these things, but Purdue Florida State is how we got things started we will talk about the top-ranked boilermakers next but first check this out
1: the all-new hyundai 2024 santa fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
0: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So Duke was upset in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Purdue was not. The makers blasted Florida State 93 Yes, Florida State was shorthanded, down three players, starting point guard out, starting center out. But that really, at least in my eyes, didn't make what Purdue did any less impressive. They were up 16 at the half. They won by 28. So Matt Painter's team is now 7-0 and with three top 50 Kempom wins and ranked number one in the top 25 and one. Dead leg on a scale of one to... Safe and consensual premarital sex. How excited are you from Matt Painter's program? On the verge of forget the top twenty-five and one fun moment, moving to number one in the Associated Press AP poll in the Associated Press top twenty-five poll um, for the first time in school history. They can do that on Monday, long as they beat Iowa later on this week.
1: You love your unconventional scales, one to just don't put enough anything but a number at the end of it. There, so you said. Uh, on a, on a scale of one, do safe, consensual premarital sex? Is that right? Right. One is you just okay. sitting around not
0: doing anything. OK. Just like not nothing. OK. And then 10 would represent safe and consensual premarital sex. Where are you at on that scale as it pertains to Purdue possibly moving the number one in the AP poll on
1: Monday? Uh, you know, give me give me like a five point three, seven, four, I think somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think somewhere right around there. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily I, I I don't outwardly root for Purdue. Obviously, don't root for uh, for anyone specifically other than the people that think I root for Duke. Uh, and you can go meet up with the people that think I hate Duke in the parking lot, by the way.
0: I, I root. Uh, I root for lots of different things.
1: I believe we had someone in our live comments uh, saying when Duke loses, it's a 10 second clip. And then the media moves on uh, just so we are clear. We spent 20 minutes on Duke losing at the start of this podcast. People
0: Like somebody uh, tweeted me about this yesterday. They were like, I don't know why Purdue fans think you hate Purdue. Um, I listen to you and it seems like you're always saying nice things about Purdue. And here's the truth with that, which is why I don't really pay it much attention. Um, there are weirdos in, in basically every fan base that have wild ideas about, who hates what and why and i can just tell you as somebody who has been the target of this for a long time uh, it's almost never true there are you know people i don't like and there are people i do like but but the the, the number of people i don't like or would privately like to see not do well is very it's almost non-existent it really it, it basically is non-existent nothing that happens in a basketball game impacts my happiness or sadness in any way whatsoever and so this idea that norlander hates this team and parish hates this team or norlander loves this guy and Parrish, it's just almost never rooted in reality but it it doesn't stop some people from alleging it um but it's just it's it's almost always goofy
1: yeah um Apparently, uh, I hate Arkansas. You heard it here first in the, in the YouTube live chat. So we can, we can go ahead. Guy,
0: guy from Connecticut who's probably
1: never been to Arkansas hates Arkansas. I mean, everyone knows you hate Marquette, but that's another—that's just uh, <laughs> a different thing altogether. No, listen, Purdue. The only reason why I would be happy if Purdue continued to be good was I pick him to win the national championship in the preseason. And obviously, we would like uh, to be correct about our forecast there. So, Purdue continuing to be good reflects well on my preseason rankings when I had Purdue number two and Gonzaga number one, and GP rightfully has the Boilermakers number one. And all the only thing that stands in the way, of course, is that home game against. The undefeated Iowa Hawkeyes, who have managed to get to seven and zero and are looking pretty good, that's not that's not a gimme gimme there. I mean, I, I don't think anyone had Iowa getting to 7-0 at this point. They won on Monday at Virginia, 75 seventy five seventy four. Joe Tucson hit a hit a running bank shot in the closing seconds to uh, to to finish it off, and it was a, a really good performance by Iowa because Vir- they were up big. Virginia came back. Uh, and made a really strong push to the point where you thought like everyone was burying Virginia in the first half on Twitter and all that stuff. And then Tony Bennett's team, they really got it together. And I thought, is UVA going to really pull this out? Didn't we'll get some more on the ACC again in just a second. This is like the biggest tease I've ever made on this podcast. The segment's not going to be that great, but we are going to talk about. Hey, how the hey, ACC-
0: Ray, hey, we're going to crap on the ACC hey. before we get out of here. So, j- Hey, just hang around and we'll tell you how bad just, the ACC. The problem is we're getting there.
1: The point is Iowa did win the game and now there's are 7 and 0 they've got a top 5 offense and per, that looks to be just it looks to be a wonderful game. We'll get you know we'll preview more of it I guess on Friday maybe we'll t- touch on it, upon it a little bit cuz that game is Friday night but Purdue 7 and 0 number one offense in America. I did see this stack get pushed around by ESPN as well on SVP show late on Tuesday night. Purdue's only one of three teams in the past uh two decades to have a seven game streak where it has at least 80 points on at least 50% shooting from the field and 35% from 3. What else, you know, what do you want from me? This is the best offensive team in America and I think that it can be Uh, the best team in America. I would take Purdue right now on a neutral over any other team in the country. Defensively. I thought even though Florida state was shorthanded, I thought that this was a good sign held the Knowles to 65 points. Yes. Purdue was at home. Yes. Purdue has a top 10 home court advantage in college basketball. If you talk to other coaches that have had to play in that building, they fill it up. Well, great student section uh, set up the whole deal. They're going to have a great advantage in that building, particularly in a season when the hopes are high, they do have national championship. Um, I don't know if you want to say direct expectations, but yes, there is a feeling that this team can win the national championship and it's on the doorstep of making uh, program history. And if it can win against Iowa, it will be the first time in school history that it's ever been number one in the AP poll. Only Maryland has more appearances all time uh, among teams that haven't, that haven't gotten there. If you want, this is actually in Wednesday's court report, the five schools with the most appearances all time without getting to number one, they've all been as high as number two, but they are Maryland with the most weeks in the AP top 25, then Purdue, Then it's Utah, Minnesota, and LSU. None of those programs have ever been number one in the AP Top 25.
0: I would have never guessed Maryland's never been number one.
1: And the reason, if you're you're wondering, because I I, had sent this stat out on Twitter on Tuesday, I believe, and then I had a couple people wonder, really? They won the national championship. I don't know why this is the case. Uh, Maybe it's because uh, all the writers are traveling the day after the championship game and getting ballots in is just uh, not feasible or whatever. There is not an AP Top 25 poll that comes out after the NCAA tournament the final AP top 25 poll every single season is released the Monday after selection Sunday so because Maryland won the 2002 national championship it doesn't mean it got to be number one in the rankings it just there was no poll so that's why if it had been then it obviously would have been the case I which, I'm which right by the people. way is
0: ridiculous you should have a postseason AP poll just to just so it's like hey here's the final thing and by the way yes first off most AP voters are at home during the national championship game um and yeah. sec- and secondly Um, You could have that done on Monday afternoon, (laughs) you know? I mean, there's like, okay, so like, am I going to have, let's say like last season. On Monday afternoon, you could have your top 25 ballot done and just say, okay, either Gonzaga is going to be number one or number two, and Baylor is going to be number one or number two, and as soon as that game goes final, um, we'll adjust it, and then hit send. It's not difficult to do. But These AP voters, I tell you, not all of them, some of them are hard workers and they're focused. Appreciate them. Plus some of the other ones, lazy. If, can, lazy. if I can rank 26 teams every morning, every single morning, you can rank 25 once a week without doing something stupid. I swear to God, in all the years I've been doing this, and because the stupid things are not usually stupid things. They're mistakes. They're just things that people did because they didn't pay attention. Um, in all the years I've been doing this, every single morning, which is too many years at this point, I can. There's only one time where I made a mistake, where I was like, "Ooh, I didn't realize that team played last night and lost last night." There's only one morning, and it was the morning after my birthday when I went out with some friends, my wife and some friends, on a uh, a Friday night, and I missed a result. And then I, you know, I noticed yeah, you it, did. You I, did not rank Marquette. Just say it. It was actually something to do with Florida State, I think. Okay, but but um, that's the only time I've ever made the mistake. That an AP voter makes every single week. Just do you just stay fun. how about this? If you genuinely don't have time to focus on it and turn in a sensible ballot, just don't do it. You, you know, you don't have to. Nobody makes you be an AP voter. If you don't have the time to take it seriously, don't do the job.
1: He's talking to you, Jeff porzello <laughs> yes. uh, You're officially on notice. Um Did you Jay see now. the
0: quote? Do you see the quote by the way uh from Leonard Hamilton last night? Share it. How about this? From Leonard Hamilton, the GOAT. He said, quote, I give Coach Painter a lot of credit for assembling the most complete team I've played against in a long time. Sometimes you've got to call it like it is. This team has Final Four written all over it. That's from Leonard Hamilton.
1: That's a, that's a nice, that's a nice compliment. Uh, They are getting toward complete. They are not defensively good enough to where I think you can say they are a complete team, but certainly last night, if you're Leonard Hamilton and you're on the wrong end of a 93 65 loss, you're going to obviously say this is a complete team. And they did. They looked, they looked good. FSU only shot 33% from three and they were 46% inside the arc and they didn't, uh, they didn't get the job done. They had 13 turnovers, which equal Purdue, but Purdue has just so much more offensive firepower. Jaden Ivy was the best player on the floor. He had 18 points. He shot four six from three, which is huge for both his NBA prospects, which we don't have to bore ourselves with at this point because we're in December, whatever. But for Purdue's long term prospects as a a, just a killer team, if if Jaden Ivey is really going to develop into a reliable perimeter shooter, then forget about it. He is going to be in the mix to win national player of the year right now. He's shooting. 43.3% 43.3% from three-point range. That's 30 attempts right now through seven games for Purdue. We'll see if that can be sustained on an individual level. That's a little bit uh, harder to forecast this early as opposed to what I talked about with Duke on the inverse uh, about 20 minutes ago. But Ivy was awesome. stefanovic he's just a dude that looks like he's just going to give you two or three shots a game where if you're playing against Purdue, you're like, don't pass it to him. Don't pass it, they pass it to him. The shot goes up. Oh, damn it. It's another three. He's just that kind of player, man. Been there Forever. Great shooter. Love watching this team. And Caleb first, the freshman, is um, is blending in quite well. He's ne- he's almost never going to be the first, second, or third best guy, but he just seems to give you uh, enough to boost around Ivy, Stefanovic, obviously Edie, and Trivion Williams off the bench, who was quiet last night. This is why Purdue's awesome. Williams came off the bench, as he does. He still might be a top-ten player in America. He gave you eight points. It didn't matter. Purdue won easily, and that's why this team... It's just super fun to watch, and uh, can't wait to see him play Iowa on Friday.
0: Um, I mentioned that Florida State was down starting point guard, down starting center. Uh, just real quick, uh, you know, they're down three players uh, in the game. And, and let me be clear, I don't think that is why Purdue blew them out. I think Purdue uh, would blow most people out right now. They look awesome. Um, but Raquan Evans is the point guard who was out, and it wasn't because of an injury. Just the saddest story, I don't know if you saw this, uh, his brother died. Like 26, 27 years old, had a rare form of leukemia and died um, earlier this or, or in November, um, and left behind like a you know a young child, just awful. And so, um, obviously, Florida State, you know, those players and that staff have had their minds occupied with you know real life tragic things, and and they were operating without their point guard who is who is going through a. An, an incredible loss. Um, he is expected, I'm told, to be back in time for uh, the next game, which I believe is against Syracuse. Uh, but if you were wondering why Florida State was shorthanded against Purdue, it wasn't strictly injuries. It was also because of, um, you know, some real life, just terrible stuff.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a GoFundMe that I retweeted from Purdue's official account uh which is obviously very nice of that program to do but that's you know a heartbreaking story and understandable why he was not in the game last night don't think that would have made a difference but our thoughts and obviously our thoughts and prayers go out to uh to rake family
0: so before we get out of here um just to catch you up on the acc big 10 challenge it is just as non-competitive as the gavit games but in a different way the big 10 has recovered nicely turns out all it needed was to play the acc
1: What's the tally at this moment? We had four to two, six to two. What is it?
0: Six to two. Six to two, Big Ten. I'll run you through it. Iowa won at Virginia. And by the way, um, Iowa, like I'm with you. I think Purdue, I think Purdue is going to pack that building and handle them no problem and move to number one in the AP poll for the first time in history. But Keegan Murray leading the nation in scoring. Is he, a, is he above 25 right now? 24.6? Yeah. 24.6 points, 8.9 rebounds, shooting 61.2% from the field. He's a 6'8 forward who is like, I don't want to say a perfect you know, prospect because he's not, but he's a legitimate prospect. You know, a 6'8 forward, link, can guard in space. You know, if he can consistently make that three-point shot, he's not doing it right now. Not bad, 34.5% from three. But if he gets that up to around 38, 39 percent, he'll be a he'll be a first round draft pick. And boy, he has taken a jump um, in this season. Uh, The season after, of course, Luca Garza um, is off to the NBA. So Iowa beat Virginia. Uh, Illinois beat Notre Dame. So the Big Ten started 2-0 in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. That was both those games were on Monday night. Then on Tuesday night, Ohio State beat Duke 3-0. Purdue beat Florida State 4-0. Syracuse beat Indiana, double overtime game. That was just weird. Yeah,
1: that, I mean, what are we doing? That was, and I, like, I, I, that game just sucked me in way more than it needed to. Uh, Cause I'm like, I'm watching, I'm trying to watch all these games and finish up the court report and all this stuff. And then I find myself just like fully engaged on an Indiana Syracuse game that it was high. It was like the worst high scoring game. I think I've ever seen in my life. Like, What did uh, Indiana had what 110 and still lost? How many teams score 110 and lose? I, ing- I understand it's multiple overtimes and obviously the most um uh, unforgettable multiple overtime game in the history of Syracuse's program. But uh yeah, just uh just a weird game. And a necessary win for Syracuse, oh, by the way. But that was yeah, that just you know, tractor beam zzz, sucked me right in. And um and good on cues for getting the win, but IU falls from the ranks of the undefeateds because of that loss.
0: Yeah, so Minnesota um, beat Pitt. Um, that's another win for the Big Ten. Wake Forest beat Northwestern. Steve Forbes' team's off to like a 7-1 and one start. Rutgers beat Clemson. And so that means the Big Ten is up 6-2 in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. And on Wednesday night, uh, Michigan State is favored over Louisville. NC State's favored over Nebraska. Maryland's favored over Virginia Tech. Wisconsin is favored over Georgia Tech. Michigan's favored over North Carolina. At North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And Penn State is favored over Miami. So if things go as planned tonight, the favorites win. The Big Ten will finish 11 and 3 in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. The ACC stinks.
1: It's fifth at Kempom right now. Um, If you look at, uh, if you sort out the Torvik rankings that eliminate preseason bias, have we. It's it's impossible to do. Do you want to know or should I wait? Should I have you wait just a couple more days? I already know. Oh, you know, you got it right. done because you know nope. why? Hmm. Because our good buddy Bart Torvik listens to the podcast and tweeted out after he heard you didn't know how to do it, how to do it. Did you did you see the tweet?
0: I I, I do follow Bart. I did not see the tweet, um, but uh, Jake Wenderman sent me a, a, a direct message on okay. Slack. Not cool. Explaining to me how to do it. And boy, was it eye opening. I just put, I just put, I just changed the numbers. That's right. And then boom, it was like, look how awesome Wagner is or something. I don't really
1: know. Yeah, if you are, if you are in the nerd set that, uh, that knows about Torvik, but isn't familiar with this, if you want to get a sense, because right now, again, to remind uh, viewers and listeners, when we talk about Ken Palm and we talk about Torvik and other predictive metrics, they are baking in previous program performance and preseason bias into their rankings because that's obviously what you're going to try and do if you're predictive but if you simply want to filter out and see how well a team has played to this point and eliminate the the prior bias if you go to barttorvik.com and all you got to do is at the top of the page you'll see a start date and an end date just change the start date to uh what's not the default so it's 11 1 2021 is that That's what filters in preseason bias. Just change that date to November 2nd, 3rd, 4th, or whatever, and you will have it filter out to see how teams have played. So right now, according based purely on performance and efficiency to this point, the five best teams in the country this season have been Arizona, then Gonzaga, then Purdue, then Baylor, then Houston. On the note of the ACC, though, it only has three teams in the top 40 to this point. That's what GP's talking about with the conference having a lot of issues. Virginia Tech's actually been the best-performing team, even though it has two losses. It's 10th. Duke, with its loss, drops to 13th. And then you've got Florida State at number 35. In terms of overall conference rankings at Ken Palm, which still have predictive bias baked in, the ACC has already fallen to fifth. It's ahead of the Pac-12, but not by that much. And then there is some... There's plenty of daylight between the Pac-12 at 6, and hello, the WCC comfortably ahead of the American. Uh, WC is 7, and then the American is 8. ACC, um, it's going to lose this Big Ten ACC challenge, which will be significant in the macro sense in terms of uh, the non-conference is moving along here. We're getting some more league games coming in and getting introduced, but at a certain point, there are not going to be high-quality options in the conference. You can make the case that Duke playing against Ohio State on Tuesday night was Duke's last chance to play a team that'll finish in the top 20 or 15 of Ken Palm for the entire season. And this is how non-conference scheduling can come back and bite you Duke. If it wins the ACC and only loses three more games, the rest of the season, then it's going to have a case to be a number one. seed. that might well happen, but right now the teams with one loss in the ACC are Duke NC state, not projected to be an NCAA tournament team. Doesn't have its best player for the entire season. Manny Bates, Georgia tech, Right now is is 68th at Ken Palm. Wake Forest, which is playing well. Shouts to C. Forbes. That was a nice win, uh, a close win. Uh, really as good of a game as we had on Tuesday night against Northwestern there. Uh, those are your one-loss teams, but the likes of Virginia Tech, Florida State, two losses. Notre Dame's three and three. little concern already for a team that I thought might be uh, good enough to make the tournament there. Syracuse got a, need, a win it needed to have. Virginia, five and three at this point. You know, I'm just not sure. And then you got teams at the bottom, which which, you know, won't be able to compete for much pittsburgh at two and five man i mean minnesota ended a a losing skid on the road that was 646 days old and ben johnson has one player on the roster this season i have something on this in the court report how about this minnesota loses at home it's two and five and i understand if you're a pit fan and you're dialed into a podcast on december 1st shouts to you we love you because this has got to be super frustrating Uh, ben johnson new minnesota coach first year right The only player he has on his roster this season who who earned minutes previously at Minnesota is Eric Curry, who was a grad assistant, had left basketball and then had to convince the coaching staff that he wanted to play one more season, had to prove it to them. He's actually earning some minutes here. Uh, You know him well because he's actually from Memphis. He's a wonderful story. But that Minnesota team. Which has plenty of seniors, but a lot of transfers goes into Pitt and wins a one point game at the end. You know, I know Pitt's not that good, but to me, I looked at that game, that result, and I thought, man, this really is a reflection on just like ACC top to bottom. Rough night for them on Tuesday, rough night for them on Monday. It's not going to get much better. And I don't see how the ACC is going to have to have a situation here where you have the likes of Duke, FSU, We'll see what Louisville can do, and I'll give you the times and tips on these games for Wednesday in just a second. But Duke, FSU, maybe Louisville, Virginia Tech, maybe throw in one more team, Virginia, North Carolina. Like, it's going to need separation. You're going to have to have tiers, a top tier, top four or five teams that that pull away to give the ACC its best chance at getting really good seeds. Right now, we sit here on December 1. You can document this and then go remind me when I've long forgotten about it uh, when we get to March here. The ACC right now, is looking like a four-bid league. I will go on the record and say the league gets five, but I think asking for more than five is borderline impossible at this point when you look at what the teams haven't done in non-conference play. You could salvage that to a minor degree by really pulling off some upsets in the ACC Big Ten Challenge on Wednesday. I've got my doubts about that. But yeah, this uh, this is certainly surprising for a league parish that has not been elite as of late. Last season, it was the fifth-best league in America. Right now, it rates as the fifth-best league in America. And in 2020, it was the fourth-best league in America. The ACC, in fact, has not rated, again, per Ken Palm, as the number one conference in the country since 2006-2007. Ironically, that was the year Duke was down. It got beat by VCU in the first round of the NCAA tournament. But it's been uh, it's been a while since this was an elite conference, and it's time, it's time we started talking about that a little bit more.
0: The ACC only has one team in the top 25 at Ken Palm right now. It's Duke. Um, for some context, the SEC has seven in the top 25. The Big Ten has six. The Big 12 has four. The Pac-12 has three. The WCC has two. The Big East also only
1: has one. Villanova. If you rank, so you've got one. Uh, just off top of your head, who do you trust? Not who do you think is best, whatever. Two, three, four ACC. Duke is obviously still going to be one. Full strength right now for you. Pick them in order, right behind the Blue Devils, two, three, four in the ACC. Who do you trust most long term right now? Florida State and
0: maybe Virginia Tech, and that's crazy because Virginia Tech just lost two games in Brooklyn.
1: They did. They were, yeah. I don't know. We'll wait and see. Here are here are the games to know. By the way, uh, on the topic of Virginia Tech on Wednesday, there's we had a lot of hoops. I I, I signal I. Singled out these four, though. You've got Louisville at Michigan State, 7-15. Chris Mack returns to the sideline. His six-game suspension, which was tied to what, Parish? He doesn't want to say. We're, we're on a live mic. Chris Mack had a six-game suspension. I'll say it. It was tied to extortion. Uh, I'm an
0: expert on extortion.
1: He is. So Chris Mack will return. I
0: wish Dino would have just called me. I know. Just I know. send a text. I could have talked him through it. We could have got this done together. I could have got seventy-five grand. Within three days. No problem. He Dino just did. He,
1: too many missteps. Too many. Louisville is going to play at Michigan State at 715 on Wednesday night. That's my most interest There's plenty of games I want to watch. I'm just most interested to see how Louisville plays with Mac back in the lineup. Uh, a good opportunity for both those programs there. And if Louisville could win to be good for them for the ACC. And I, on the site, uh, we have our ACC Big Ten picks at either have been published or will be published shortly. If you're listening to this live and watching on the YouTube stream, uh, I took Louisville to win straight up. You've got Virginia tech at Maryland on ESPN two, So those are going to be side-by-side games. That's a good little two screen situation. You got there, uh, Virginia tech at Maryland, the Terps could really use this kind of win. They've got fun upside, but you know, let's see what they do against a good Virginia tech team. Who's, you know, in a tight spot D- dropped, a uh, dropped a couple of games here and needs to uh, certainly improve itself. Florida at Oklahoma is, uh, you know, a game outside this, but Gators uh, looking like top 15 kind of team right now, uh, undefeated and 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 look the part of uh, of a high seed to this point. They're going to play at Oklahoma, Porter Moser. This will be the first high-profile game, I guess, if you will, for the Sooners under Porter. We'll see what they can do in that spot. Um, I, I don't know. We'll have to see. I, I do like their potential. They're 44th at Kenton. They're 6-1. and one. They have a loss on a neutral to Utah State. They haven't played a top fifty opponent yet, though. Uh, we'll see. And I don't even know if Joe on the AD, is going to be at this game because he's in the, he's in the middle of trying to find uh, himself a, a football coach there. So he'll be he'll be preoccupied. And then the other game um, from Wednesday night to know is Michigan at North Carolina, nine fifteen on ESPN. And Michigan has not played up to its expectations. North Carolina, to a certain degree, has not played up to its expectations. I don't know what the I don't have the line in front of me or the over under. But Michigan's been uh, disappointing on defense. Carolina has been atrocious at times on defense. So I don't, uh, you know, I don't know what the over under. I, I imagine this over under is fairly high. I'm just guessing. Uh, but that'll be a a very affirming win for either team that can get it. And then just real quick on Thursday, the only game that I think is of note is of a mid major variety, but I think it's it's quite intriguing. And that's Saint Mary's at Utah State. Uh, that's a that's a Thursday tip on CBS Sports Network at 9 o'clock Eastern. Uh, St. Mary's is favored on Kempom to win by one point. The Gales are 7-1. and one. The only loss they have is the Maui Championship game against Wisconsin. Uh, so we'll see if they continue the, the good news for the WCC. Meantime, Utah State has a stud in Justin Bean, who <laughs> has performed like one of the 15 best players in America to this point. We'll see if he can keep that up. Utah State opened with a loss to UC Davis, which, by the way, lost to an art school in California. A, D, a d2 or nai's art school uh utah state has not lost since then um they have a win over oklahoma justin bean right now is shooting 59 percent from three-point range and 71 percent from two-point range so that is a nine o'clock thursday night tip on cbs sports network the best game of the day will be on cbs sn st mary's at utah state
0: michigan is a two and a half point favorite at north carolina the total is 151 are you suggesting play the over
1: I would definitely play the over in that game. That is lower than I would have anticipated. It feels inevitable that that game is going over. Yes, for sure.
0: We got some nice five star reviews over on the Apple Podcast. Did I tell you about them? You d- you did not. I I am, I, uh, I uh, suggested to the listeners on the previous podcast that if if they too uh, were fans of premarital sex, that they should go leave a five star review over at Apple Podcast so that. Uh, we could offset some of the one star reviews from people who are anti premarital sex like there's more of us than there are of them and we need that to be reflected right. in the review like, like like you can act like this is controversial we're in the majority here most people love premarital sex all right this isn't some wild un- wildly unpopular opinion most people love premarital sex it's it's, it's but it's just like everything else right it, it's the it's the Loud minority yelling and putting one-star reviews on. So I asked people, I said, hey, do us, do us a favor. If you like premarital sex, if you've ever had it, whether you liked it or not, if you ever want it, to have it, do you want to have it? Do you want to have premarital sex? Then go. Leave we, a five- we want the
1: incels. Come on over. <laughs> then, then, If you've had
0: it or you have a desire to someday have it, go leave a five-star review over at Apple podcast. So I was clicked on the, uh, some of the reviews last night. Let me read you a couple of them. Uh, this is this one comes from Cole. He wrote, "By far my favorite podcast. I listen to several, including ones like the Talking Baseball and whatnot. But I own college basketball is the only one that I actively have to stop what I'm doing to listen to. It's fantastic, even if I don't agree with every opinion you guys share. Also, I'm an avid fan of premarital sex. <laughs> okay, so that was that one. I mean, oh, here's one. If you like college basketball and premarital sex, then buddy, I have the perfect podcast for you." this podcast is the highlight of my Sundays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Thank you for keeping me entertained during the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. I also love your refusal to acknowledge RJ Barrett. And if Nebraska wins three games in pinnacle bank this season, you should do a bonus episode. We will
1: three games bonus episode for three game, three wins for Nebraska and pinnacle bank. I was just, listen, the
0: guy gave us a five-star review. I was trying to, I was trying to give back. Here's yeah. another one. This one
1: <laughs> inside.
0: This helps me stay informed on college basketball with some levity entertainment. I stay in the know of things like the big Bang challenge. <laughs>
1: that comes from TJ. Dude, I didn't realize this was happening until like, so I, after the podcast publishes or go it's, it's going live on YouTube and then the, the chat replay goes. So I, I went and I checked, dude, there were, like, <laughs> there were like four or five people within the first five minutes that were like GP, big bank Bang challenge, GP do the big bank. <laughs> and I wanted- saw,
0: I saw, I'll do it one day. I saw a really good one a couple of nights ago. I should have bookmarked it. I never bookmark them. That's probably the wise choice, my friend. I want my Instagram reels to be nothing but Big Bang challenges because I don't really care about the other stuff except golf shots. The only thing I watch on Instagram reels is golf shots and Big Bang challenges. And somebody, I and mean, I was like, how do I filter out all this other nonsense that I don't want? And somebody said, well, if you like the Big Bang challenges, then then it'll it'll understand that that's what you like and it'll just give you more big bang challenges and the problem with that is is it, i think it's weird for me to be out there liking a bunch of big bang
1: challenges that's right it, i don't think
0: i can do that
1: you are golf shots and big bang challenges i don't do this whole that's, all, thing. that's all i want to do i wake all up my, all mine would be would be like uh, drum solos and ski jumps <laughs> we we are we are diverging my friend there is i can sit and watch drum videos and guitar solo videos endlessly no i
0: just want to watch golf shots there's these things on instagram reels. they 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 i don't they they have audio from an actual golf broadcast i don't know whether it was tiger woods or whatever it was but the the announcer says uh You know, it's one of the on-course reporters, and it says uh, this is going to be a nice little comfortable nine iron for him. Uh, These people are going to go nuts when he hits this one. And then you hear the crowd go, whoo, as soon as he – but so it's like a real shot. Like it's probably like Tiger Woods, you know, from 140 uh, with a two-shot lead at the Masters or something like that. I don't really know what it is. But people take that audio, and then they put their – buddies or themselves like just duffing a shot (laughs) it's just like you know hitting a ball three feet or missing it or slicing it way over here it's like this is going to be a nice little comfortable nine iron they're going to go nuts when he hits this one and it's like woo, and it just rolls the ball and i laugh every time it's so funny to me that and big bang challenges is all i ever want to watch but i can't like big bang challenges because i feel like it's it just think i think it'd be weird like you got these young women out there and they'd be like, "Why is this Gary Parish CBS liking all my big, big challenges?" So I don't do it. I don't like any of them, but I do enjoy the comments.
1: And I'm loving that this is live right now. By the way, there was a there was a review from like I think six weeks ago from like from a sixty year old woman that it was just so good. It was so good. I, it's it's like maybe like ten or twelve back, but someone had directed me to it. And uh, I can't remember who you are. I don't have the w- reviews up in front of me, but uh, your review made me smile. It was very funny. So it was it here's was yet another person surprised by when they saw you on camera for the first time, the, you know, your your appearance overall, which seems to be a running theme, which I also very much enjoy.
0: Here's yeah. something I noticed, because when you're on TV, first off, I never look at myself because I hate myself. But um, when you're on TV, you're supposed to, you know, you sit there, you know, you sit there. And you're yeah. like, you're paying attention, you're laughing at, if somebody tries to say something funny, it's pretty structured, but this is obviously not structured. I mean, look, no. and one of the things I noticed, and other people have noticed as well, I see it in the comments, um, I have like a little nervous tick, where I'm constantly, yeah, I'm constantly right here.
1: No, Wait, but you're using the wrong finger right now, that's not what... I'm yeah. like this all the time?
0: Yeah. There you well. go. So I don't know that I do that. But really? until well, not until we started, and I'm looking like it's impossible for me to talk without seeing myself. Yeah. So, so I, I'm assuming I've been sitting around at dinner tables <laughs> and bars my entire life, like t- having conversations with people, and constantly just like this.
1: What do you think's going on with me? I don't. I don't know, but. Um... <laughs> Are you trying to grow a Timmy stash? Like, what do you think I'm doing? I don't know. Listen, I don't know. But I like the fact that it's nice and comfortable and casual. Uh, I'm also blown away by, like, I've only – I've known you to be you and to know what you look like. And it always amuses me that people have this vision of what – I and I get it. Like, sometimes, you know, before the the era – by the way, this is the first college basketball podcast ever to be live-streamed on YouTube video. Don't forget about that. Did you but, see we got, we got a note from a guy, like, from Spain <laughs> –
0: and he was like, "I just think you guys." should I know. know.
1: <laughs> and he's a wonderful. If the gentleman is watching or listening now, I'm I'm not being serious. Like that's kind of the the bit of the podcast here or there. Um, but and I believe I saw someone was watching this in Australia at almost two in the morning. You people are absolutely amazing. The point I was going to make though is I hear you when you would listen to like when I would listen to podcasts eight ten years ago, and I wouldn't know what a host would look like, and you see him for the first time. It's always interesting how the the visual doesn't match sometimes what you have in your head with the voice there. But with you, I've never I've never seen it with as many people as you. You look like how you sound like to me and always like you've always looked like that. And except when you opted to have hair, which, by the way, Parrish can have hair if he wants. He just chooses not to. I wish he'd grow it back, but he just doesn't.
0: I had a bald spot. I I noticed it. I was um, watching uh, a game that I happened to be attending sitting courtside. And I, you know, like and I'm. The camera is going back and forth, left to right, whatever. And it's it's scanning me every time because I'm sitting right there. And I'm like, oh, wow. I had no idea I had that bald spot. And I went to my wife and I was like, because you don't see the back of your head. Like, you don't see the back of your head. And so I went to my wife and I was like, hey, why didn't you tell me I had a bald spot to this degree? And she's like, I didn't want to be the one to point it out. She's being nice, right? And after that, I was just like, I would rather be bald than have a
1: bald spot.
0: And so here I am, for better or worse, probably worse. Here's we can a- get
1: out here, but before we do that, I need to congratulate you. Why don't you, uh, why don't you turn that hat around? Can you turn the hat around so people can see? So as GP takes off his, my man, as people well know, huge Mets fan, you got yourself Max Scherzer. So congrats on that. But I got to admit, as we wrap the pod, Don't, like, can't you just, aren't you wired to believe that it's going to be like Scherzer pitches 14 games next season and he's just not what he was? Aren't you, isn't that how you are wired? Like, there's no way he's going to be the same pitcher for the Mets as he has been for most of the past decade.
0: I am wired to believe he will be hurt in July. Yeah. That's like, I'm, no, it's like you have this weird, this is part of being a Mets fan. You have this weird thing that happens where you can't feel good positive about anything because you just assume it's going to go wrong and so what i'm assu- like like i saw somebody tweet like a baseball guy tweet that the mets um might have the two best pitchers in baseball period like the the, the best jacob DeGrom, and the second best max scherzer and re- when i read that i don't get excited you know what i, I go i go they're going to get hurt <laughs> it, like that's that's not that's no way to live life like when you can't even get excited about good news because you assume it'll end poorly what is wrong with you i know you got, one you more, gotta... got, got one more review here okay what do we got person says i promise to pre-sex many many times with many many people five-star <laughs> review <laughs>
1: uh this has been wonderful we went a little longer than even expected but a little fun at the end thank you to everyone again in the comments you guys uh listen i hope you come back and develop a little bit of a community here i think that's i think that's absolutely uh fabulous there but uh yeah friday 10 a.m is the as long as there's no emergency pod situation i certainly hope not start of december we will be back then talk about whatever has happened in the next couple of days and then obviously preview the weekend Again, I'm gonna send this out one more time. I might remind at the beginning of the podcast on Friday. We did have a couple suggestions when I asked for them in the YouTube comments before we live streamed about what Parrish and I should like, some sort of playful bet that we should have on on the on the line for the season-long picks. And they say we shouldn't respond to every single comment as it comes in. So if I'm laughing, it's because someone has said something funny or not a. Who has put something on the screen? Anyway, the point is, if you have an idea, think about it. Friday, we'll try and decide once and for all what Parrish and I should have on the line here, because I want to get something down before you know my lead gets too big. I need Parrish to have some sort of hope that he can come back and and overtake me. So, in the comments on Friday episode, if you're watching live, suggest what Parrish and I should uh, should put on the line. We'll seriously consider it, and we'll get we'll get it figured out in the next couple of days.
0: Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Lawrence Roberts, legend to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Iron College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. You see this new variant? Where would this new variant come from? What are we doing with this new variant? What in the you're learning, world? You're learning
1: the, you're learning the Greek alphabet, my man. What are we doing?
0: What are we doing with this new variant? Good Lord. If You're not subscribed? Please go subscribe any way you subscribe to Podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. If you if you've had premarital sex, or if you would like to do it one day, go leave a five star review. This is very important. Go leave a five star review over at Apple Podcasts, and make sure you subscribe uh, here at, at YouTube. If you're if you're watching on YouTube, if you're not watching on YouTube, go subscribe on YouTube. Just type in "I on College Basketball" in the search; it'll pop right up. Hit the bell button. I don't know why, I'm I'm unconvinced that. works. It
1: works, and we want to tell people that it works. It works now because because listen,
0: this is one of those things like I just have to take it on faith. I you never. Need to, you need to ask Bart
1: Torvik is what you need to
0: do. I need to, I just figured out how to sort over there. I just figured out how to my sorting options over at Bart Torvik. December is off to a great start. Smash the like button at YouTube. You got consent? What would Brandon Davies do? What would Brandon Davies do? He'd smash it. There's he would no smash it. He'd smash it. Brandon Davies, you want to go to a Final Four? You want to smash the like button? He'd smash that like button. Willing to sa- If Brandon Davies is willing to sacrifice a, a year of college basketball just to smash, what is your excuse? You don't have one. Go smash the like button. We'll talk to you again real soon. Till then, take care.